Hello and welcome to Travel Stories with Mosh, the first travel podcast in the Middle East. I'm your host Moshmi, travel blogger and broadcast journalist, and in this podcast, I'll be talking to some incredible travel enthusiasts who take us on a journey to some of the most fascinating places by sharing their travel stories. From breathtaking landscapes and cities to diverse cultures and cuisines, our special guests share their most unforgettable travel experiences while also giving away some of their not so happy encounters, what's hot on their list, and lots lots more. So join me as we embark on this journey together to explore, experience and connect with the world around us. Welcome to Travel Stories everyone. It's been such a wonderful journey so far with all our amazing guests taking us to destinations far and wide. There's so much that we've covered from Lebanon to Peru to Africa to the United States, Australia, Portugal, India and so much more. And I'm really looking forward to go to some very interesting places with today's special guest Dara Dajani. Dara is a fascinating multitasker who is an architect by profession but is also a travel information scout, a mother, a language enthusiast and the founder of Marhaba Sima, which is an Arabic children's book production company. She is currently a consultant in the advisory department with KPMG in Riyadh, but out of everything that she does, travel really is a very big part of her life. Welcome to Travel Stories Dara and thank you for joining us on today's episode. Hello Moosh, thank you for having me. So you're a Palestinian and you have spent a considerable amount of time there and you know that's a region that's never been easy for anyone to visit. But as someone who grew up there, how was it like because you know it's very intimidating for a lot of us to even plan a trip there. So describe to us a little bit about your growing up years. Was it very difficult? Uh you know living there wasn't a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. It had its challenges on daily basis. Mm-hmm. We lived in a city called Beit Hanina north of Jerusalem, right in the middle of the areas between the Arabs and the Israelis mm-hmm. when I was back in school. Mm-hmm. The school was 5 minutes away tops by car because we would leave the mm-hmm. house, turn the block and stand in line, go into the line where the checkpoints crossing between uh, Ramallah and Jerusalem mm-hmm. is and you would have to wait for your turn to show your papers. See that everything's fine and every they single let you day pass every single day. Oh wow. So it was very basic. Yeah. It it made me who I am today. And all of this the whole journey from home to school would take you about an hour. Yes. Even though if it was lucky. just 5 minutes away if yes. you're lucky. If you're lucky. Wow. So it really wasn't an easy time, shall we say that, you know, when you were growing up but it also made you appreciate so much more in life right getting up in the morning and going to school is very basic mm-hmm. especially for all the kids around the world they don't really have to go through this it's something we take for granted yes yeah and that's why i don't take anything for granted yeah absolutely yeah that's amazing but now coming to our travel stories where are you taking us today on a journey 
So I'm taking you to Palestine. I was really hoping you would take us to Palestine <laughs> because I am so intrigued about that region. Because aside from all that emotional turmoil, mm-hmm. I want to tell you about what's good about my country. Mm-hmm. Sure. Our neighborhood is beautiful. It has access to all of the cities in Palestine. You can be on the beaches of Haifa in the morning mm-hmm. and then drive to Nablus and have some yayas for lunch. Yummy. Topped by the best yummiest knafa mm-hmm. dessert you can have in the world. Spend the evenings on the hills of Jerusalem mm-hmm. where the greenery is unsurpassable and the nightlife is competitive. On another day, you can visit the Church of Nativity in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Then make your way to the old city of Jerusalem and get to visit the Holy Sepulchre or the Aqsa Mosque, mm-hmm. Dome of the Rock. But, you know, it's not very easy for people around the world to kind of plan a trip to that area, to this beautiful area of yours. Yeah. But because you're taking us on this journey, I really want to experience the feel and the surroundings. So if you were to give us your top three places to go, where would you tell us to go? I would start with the old city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. I'm biased towards Nablus because mm-hmm. my mom's from Nablus. And what are the amazing things in these places I, that you're telling us? I absolutely love the Knafe in Nablus. To be honest, Every city in Jerusalem has its charm. Mm-hmm. It has something that would invite you to go there. Mm-hmm. So what I would advise you to do is to just go up north, start from Haifa, mm-hmm. and make your way down mm-hmm. and just pass by every city and see two or three significant landmarks that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even grab one of their specialty dishes. Mm-hmm street food, whatever it is they specialize in, Mm -hmm. and just get the true experience from Mm -hmm. beginning to end. These experiences that you're talking about, can they be experienced by, you know, landing in Israel because it's more accessible to the rest of the world now? And can one land in Tel Aviv and then drive to Jerusalem and up north? To be honest, it really depends on your passport. Okay. But what I would advise you as someone who knows the ins and Mm -hmm. outs is to go into Jerusalem Mm -hmm. or one of the areas that are controlled by them. Mm -hmm. Because that way, you can make your way into all the corners of the country. Right. I really hope that I can go there someday and I hope a lot of our listeners can go there someday. And this little journey and little trip that we had around the Palestine area is so intriguing. You know, makes me want to visit the area even more now. Coming back to my second question, which is that first place that made you realize that you love travel because, you know, you were raised in Palestine. You spent so much time there and you feel very strongly for that region. But you also went ahead in life. You traveled around the world. Uh, How did you like come out of Palestine and develop this love for the rest of the world? To be honest, it wasn't a place as much as it was a person. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. When I went to university, I met a girl there. She's my best friend now. Mm -hmm. And we were planning our graduation trip to Italy. And amidst all that, she says, Dada, how about we do 30 by 30? Mm. 
I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. And she says, 30 countries by the time we hit 30 years of age. And I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how, how your travels began. And yes, you did one country or much started. more countries every year. I think the first time we traveled to Italy, then we would travel to two or three destinations every year. That's amazing that you actually discovered the fact that you love travel because of your best friend. And that led you to become a travel scout. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us what this whole travel database that you do, what is that all about? So every time we travel, mm -hmm. we would get back. The travel is done. Mm -hmm. You would talk about it, but you mm -hmm. can't really remember details, right? So there came a time where people would always call me and tell me, Dara, I'm going here. Where should I go? Where should I stay? What should I eat? And every time I would sit and rack my brains and open Google Maps and mm -hmm. look for the names of places that I have forgotten. Yeah. And I thought there has to be a better way. And the better way was just to create a database where I just save yeah. all the research I'm already doing Correct. for every yeah. city that I'm visiting rather than just getting rid of it. Yeah, yeah. And that makes it so much more worth it, right? Yes, that you of have course. it. You know? it's, it's like it's gold right Correct. now. Correct, yes. No, that's really nice, Dara. And I went through your Instagram page. Please can all the listeners know your Instagram page because I think it is so good. Uh, yes, this is called... Kalchat, okay. and it is short for cultural chatter. Yeah. It's like chat about different yeah. cultures. It's fantastic. I love it. And I love the fact that you put top 10 things to do in all the places that you've been to. Like and a summary. Yeah, and it's great because sometimes you just want to quickly know what other things, you know, you should do if, say, you're visiting Tokyo or Japan or Italy, for example. Or know whether this destination is worth visiting. Exactly. I really like that, you know. So when you were traveling around with your friend and when you did 30 by 30, did you come across any place which became your all-time favorite destination or even going forward, even after you finished visiting all the 30 countries? Uh, right now, if I ask you, which is your favorite destination, which one would you say? So Mush, I love Lebanon. I love Beirut, to be specific. The food, the people are so nice. They are so hospitable. It reminds me so much of home. But it's it is still your it most is. favorite destination in the world. It is. Yeah. If, if things would be solved tomorrow, I would move there in a heartbeat. Mm. The city is beautiful. The people are beautiful and, and very friendly. Yeah. The food. Oh, the food is Everything. to die for. The they, nightlife is fantastic as well. The nightlife is yeah. fantastic. It wasn't the number one nightlife yeah. for a couple of years yeah. when I was in university. Oh, what a time to be <laughs> in university in Beirut. Yeah. Yeah. But I really love Beirut and I think you're bang on. It has everything. You know, I really loved Biblos when I went there. It is so beautiful. It feels very magical. You know, they have a bit of everything. You can yeah. be skiing in the mountain right. in the morning yeah. and then go down to the beach in the afternoon and mm. then go to a club at night. Mm -hmm. And One of my favorite restaurants there is called Munir. It's in Brumana. It's on the mountains. Oh, nice. And you sit there. The food is so fresh, mm. especially oh, the meat, the kibbeniye. And just sitting there mm -hmm. and the view of the rest of the city mm. and the trees. Mm. It's, it's breathtaking. It's yeah. breathtaking. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, that's amazing. You know, you really describe the Middle East so perfectly. But now tell us about one of your hidden gems. Where would you like, you know, us to go if you were to give us one hidden gem? It, it has to be Anna Capri. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know it's 
it's not a hidden gem mm. per se, but I had such an unforgettable experience there. But Anna Capri can be a hidden gem, actually. Yeah. You're so right because uh, Capri is like the big brother sitting yeah. there, but a lot of people kind of miss Anna Capri. Another place I went to for my honeymoon, it's not really a hidden gem, mm-hmm. but it's just not accessible. So right. I'd like to think of yeah. it as a hidden yeah. gem. Is Bora Bora. Oh, that is it's right a in the dreamy destination. It and took Tokyo, us 24 hours. I was just going to gonna ask. Wow. 12 hours to Tokyo. We stayed in there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then we continued another 11 hours to Bora Bora. So tell us a little bit more about Bora Bora. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's untouched. Mm-hmm. It's very primitive. Everything is so fresh. Mm. The people are so friendly. They are happy. Yeah, I love both the hidden gems, Dara. I mean, I have a special connection with Italy. I love that country. And Capri is just so beautiful. And you're right. You know, a lot of people don't actually go to Anna Capri because Capri is much more commercial. People, you know, go to Capri and miss Anna Capri. But Anna Capri is absolutely worth it. And Bora Bora has always been on my list. And it's funny you said Bora Bora because I wanted to go to Bora Bora on my 20th anniversary. And I ended up being in Russell Kemmer at the Ritz-Carlton because it was COVID. COVID. (laughs) (laughs) And now that you said Bora Bora, I'm getting even more attracted to go there. Hopefully sometime soon that will happen. So now if you had to kind of go around the world in one single day, where would you want to have breakfast, where would you want to have lunch and where would you want to have dinner? I would definitely go to the old city of Jerusalem for breakfast. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a very small shop, very authentic, that serves hummus, falafel, mm-hmm. food. Yeah. It's called Abu Shukri. Lovely. I love it when guests give us these amazing names it's, of restaurants. It's a small shack, you uh-huh. know, two tables. Okay. Uh, and if it's crowded, just walk like 10 steps away and there's another place called Lina. Yeah. I love options. <laughs> well, they are competitors. I'm not sure they appreciate this. But it's good food this. nonetheless. <laughs> but yes, it's yeah. very good food. Mm-hmm. It's very good hummus. It's so fresh. Mm-hmm. It's so warm. The bread is warm. They have this green chili with lemon sauce mm. that you put. Uh, I'm drooling. For lunch, I would go to the local markets mm. of Tokyo or Osaka for mm-hmm. sushi. Mm. There's a local market in Osaka called Kurumon Ichiba. Mm -hmm. And it's just a buzzing market where even locals frequent to get their groceries. And the food is so fresh and so clean. And so you go into any of the sushi shacks and order everything on the menu. So you will just basically go to Japan for Uh, lunch. Yes. Yeah. And what would you pick? Because, you know, it's not just sushi in Japan. I mean, (laughs) their cuisine is so unique and people just they're famous for their sushi, but it's actually not just sushi that they have so much. I was in Osaka last week with Mm -hmm. my colleagues. And I I took them to places to try the takoyaki, Mm. the octopus street uh, foods. We also tried the okonomiyaki. I love okonomiyaki. It's It's, an experience. It's an experience. And you cannot go to Osaka. I first tried okonomiyaki in Kyoto. Me too. Yummy. Me too. Yeah, it was yummy. Okay, so we're having lunch in Japan. Where were we (laughs) going to for dinner? For dinner, we are going to Florence. Ooh, okay. To a place called Osteria Santo Spirito. Ah, okay. Giving away another name. I love this. uh, They serve the best four cheese gnocchi. Oh. It it sounds heavy, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 
I um, believe it's you. It's delicious. Yeah, I'm sure. I wanted another one when I finished my oh. date. <laughs> but, you know, it's really interesting that we have like our pastas for main course and Italians actually don't necessarily have pasta for main course. You know, they have it as part of one of their appetizers because their portions are smaller. And yes. you only know that when you live in Italy for a while and, you know. <laughs> a few months ago, mm. I realized that you are supposed to have 100 grams per person. Per person, <laughs> yeah, per serving. <laughs> Okay, now we're still going to be eating a little more and we'll come back to the UAE and Dubai. And I want to know three places where you would love to have breakfast, lunch and dinner here in Dubai. Okay, for breakfast, I would go to 21 grams. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. You can also go to Time Out Market mm-hmm. for the buzzing scene. Mm-hmm. 21 grams has a stall there. Mm-hmm. They have this plate called egg complet, mm-hmm. where they have local bread baked with sausages, with gravy, and they put sunny side up egg on mm-hmm. the top. For lunch, I would go to El Beiruti. Mm. El Beiruti has two unique plates that you probably can't have mm-hmm. anywhere else. Mm-hmm. One is hummus infused with fresh satar. Mm-hmm. It's actually green. It is so good. And another, they have this meat with mustard sauce. And they are unique to that place. Okay. And you can have them as appetizers and order another main course. Okay, this one with that you're talking about, uh, the meat with the mustard sauce, that dish really sounds very, very yummy. And I'm definitely going to try that when I go there next. Uh, So that was lunch for us in Dubai. So where are you taking us to dine later on in the night? (laughs) Can I name two places? Sure. Okay. So I love my steak. Uh And I know this sounds a bit cliche, but I like meat Mm -hmm. Uh, I like the branch in Medina Jumeirah. Okay. Even Su'el Bahar. It's an oldie but a goldie. Uh, Yes, (laughs) definitely. Definitely. Old but gold. Another is Kiku. Okay. Kiku is an authentic Japanese restaurant. And uh, we would go there for just the fresh sushi. It it just takes us back to Japan. Mm-hmm. These are amazing recommendations, Dara. And I'm looking forward to quite a few of them now. Uh, and for all our listeners, Kiku is one very amazing, authentic Japanese restaurant here in Dubai. If anyone is listening, you can definitely go there if you love Japanese food. Can I name another lunch restaurant? Sure. Another recommendation is Three by Eva. Okay, tell us a little bit more about that one. So this place specializes in Levantian food. Mm-hmm. Any dish that is from Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, or Palestine. The place is beautiful, very inviting, very, okay. very open. It, it's exposed to daylight. And this is all Middle Eastern food? Yes, but it has its personal touch. Okay. And finish it with their best chocolate cake. Okay. People okay. just go there for the chocolate so cake. So that's three by <laughs> Eva. That's another great place for lunch and dinner, would you say? Or lunch? Everything. Everything. Okay. Everything. Even breakfast. They okay. have a breakfast menu. Okay, fantastic. And it's delicious. I think we should go a little away from food now (laughs) because, you know, all this is making me very hungry. And let's talk about experiences in Dubai or the UAE. And, you know, you've been here for a while and, you know, we all consider ourselves very lucky to be living in this amazing country and this amazing city. 
So which is that one experience that you would recommend to our listeners, something that you really enjoy doing here in Dubai or in the UAE? Well, there's a lot to do around Dubai and the UAE. Mm -hmm. And many are unique in the sense that you won't get to do them anywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, like visiting the Museum of the Future, mm -hmm. climbing the tallest tower in the world, like Burj Khalifa, mm -hmm. visiting the beautiful Mosque of Abu Dhabi, uh, the sunset in Saadiyat. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Uh, or staying at the trailers or domes in the mountains of Hatta, mm -hmm. camping in Fujairah, on the Fujairah beach where okay. you can enjoy the sunrise. Okay. So this is just any beach in Fujairah or well, where would you go? Like, is it like you camp? We would put our gate in the car and just drive in oh. and look for something okay. that is available. But so there's a bit of adventure there yes. as well. Okay. Usually our spot would be next to a beach called Snoopy Island. Snoopy Island? Yes. Like Snoopy the dog? Yes, okay. because the island rocks itself looks like Snoopy when it's sleeping on its house, those two humps. Oh. So. And you find that on Google Maps? You yes. can just say Snoopy Island? You just Island? put Snoopy Island and really? it takes you there. Okay, that's interesting. But what I find truly unique to this region is their desert culture. Right, yeah. As a tourist, getting in on those 4 by 4 dunning safaris yeah. is something I would recommend. Yeah. But as a resident... Just throw your barbecue gear into the trunk mm -hmm. and head out there on a Friday evening. It's absolutely lovely. It's a bit calmer than the buzzing city that we live in. Mm -hmm. So, it's And we all need night. that from time to time, of you know, course. to just slow down a little bit and just be one with nature. And yes. for us here, it's the desert, which is so it natural is. and so pure. It is. Now, these are such amazing, beautiful experiences that you told us about. And with all your travels, you've been enjoying so many different countries and different places. What is it that you're looking forward to next in travel? Where are you really looking forward to travel? I think both my husband and I are looking forward to visiting the Scandinavian countries. Oh, okay. Have you been? I have, yeah, I've been. Uh, so are you looking forward to go to all the countries? Yes, there? Yeah. I would like to visit any and all. Denmark, mm -hmm. Sweden, Finland, mm -hmm. Norway, Iceland. even Iceland. Yeah. yeah, I want to see the northern lights. Yeah. I want to see the huskies mm -hmm. in their environment. Mm -hmm. I really hope, Dara, that you get to go to all these Scandinavian countries, especially to Norway and see the Northern Lights. Thank you. And I am looking forward to following you in all your travels. I hope our listeners also enjoyed this entire conversation as much as I did going to all these various places with you. And thank you so much for joining us today on Travel Stories. Thank you for having me, Mosh. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. I hope our conversations have fueled your wanderlust and inspired you to explore the world in new and exciting ways. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button to keep up with our latest episodes. And if you want to be the first to know who's joining me next week, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Mosh Travels. I would love to know what you think, what kind of travel stories and guests you would like me to cover. You can find all the episodes and destinations mentioned by all the guests on my website, moshtravels.com. Thanks for listening and until next time, safe travels and keep adventuring.